0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Canadian Podcast. I'm Sarah Sash over here in British Columbia, and I'm here with Andrew Campbell, straight from Ontario, as always. How are you, Andrew?
1: I am doing wonderful, Sarah, although, I don't know, fall has set into Ontario. It was so nice, sunny and warm, and harvest was going well, and now there was snow in the air, Sarah. Snow. I don't like that.
0: I just flew all across Western Canada um, back from Winnipeg yesterday and I saw no snow at all the whole way which just shocked me and uh, here we're in the middle of a fall drought so I mean last fall we're talking about flooding right now I'm complaining about drought here we go again
1: (laughs) here we go again all the time just it's got to be something
0: yeah let's talk about kids instead what are your kids up to these days I love children
1: Oh well, you know what we we are definitely. I am back in hockey dad mode, so hockey has started again. Um, and like any good eight year old, need to be on the ice three or four times a week. So we spend a lot of time in the arena. Um, or my daughter does ballet and horseback riding. So basically, we've picked the three cheapest activities you Adorable. could possibly think of. I'm sure, Sarah. <laughs>
0: My son is in uh, ice skating lessons and actually managed to knock out uh, his adult front tooth.
1: <laughs> so, oh, in just ice skating, not actually hockey or anything, just in skating, knocked his teeth out.
0: Accurate. So, make sure you're wearing that face guard, guys. It's worth it, no matter what kind of skating you're doing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor kid. Is he all right, though? Uh, Yep, yeah, he's all
0: right. Bank account, not so much.
1: <laughs> well, isn't that the way? Oh, aren't kids great?
0: Anyway, today on the Canadian PodCow, we will look at how dairy producers can manage their farms through times of operational change. And we're not just talking about dealing with children and trying to show up to hockey and ballet on time. Andrew, I know you love looking at new agricultural technologies and how they can help you on the farm. Innovation can provide producers with so much opportunity right now um, to advance our goals and improve our processes. But it's also a big leap.
1: What is a big leap? And I think it it becomes such a big leap, especially when you think about what technology was available, like even 10 or 20 years ago and where we are today and how fast that technology is changing. Like the longer you stay out of advancing, it seems the bigger the leap is. Um, and so certainly, you know, I, I think that it's interesting to start to think about how do we as farmers manage that change? because you know, let's be honest, we, we know at some point we're all go, going to go through it.
0: Well, the concept is great. I mean, in theory, change. Yes, let's do it. But sometimes on the farm, especially emotional struggles for producers can come along with the implementation of all this new stuff. Um, when we think, you know, we always did it this way. Why do we need to change? Or I'm really used to my habits and my patterns that I do every day. And uh, making the leap to something big and different can be actually really
1: difficult. Well, it can be really difficult. And, you know, that doesn't take into account that, you know, there's also obviously the affordability factor of a lot of the technology. Um, You know, how does it impact the operation? How does it impact the people around the farm? Because that is one that the people are the ones that have to make these changes. Um, You know, how, how do they deal with it all?
0: affordability is truly a daunting one these days let's not talk about that this episode um so today we're going to look at how these decisions affect dairy producers when considering large adjustments like implementing a new rotary or a parlor or what do you know switch into robots the emotional cycle that you go through can be very serious when you're making these decisions and we just want to try to help out with that so we're going to dig into that after the break thank you for listening to the canadian podcast
1: Our guest today is a senior advisor and project manager for Dee Laval. She studied at the Ontario Vet College at the University of Guelph before working in the field for several years as a large animal vet. She focused on dairy with a keen interest in herd management for all farm species, before joining the manufacturer of dairy equipment as the Herd Management Specialist a whole 12 years ago. Um, in addition to supporting North America, she interact with global colleagues on committees and for special projects. Please help me welcome to the Canadian PodCow, Nancy Charlton. Nancy, it's great to have you.
0: Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks so much for making the time to be on today, Nancy. I can't wait to hear a little bit more about your job. Um, so what is it that you do for deal Well, actually, it's
2: a big secret, and I try not to tell anybody. Um, but on a more serious note, I've been around here uh, long enough now to get the title of senior. And uh, that just means that you know a lot from the past, and the young ones need to come and ask for help. Um, but on the herd management side, yeah products such as uh, software uh, gadgets uh, sensors and of course robotics and the more automated partners, we can do more stuff to to manage the cows so participate in and helping to get that knowledge down and as you mentioned i i do interact with global colleagues uh because i like to know what's going on in different countries what's the same what's different and i'm on a Uh, scientific committee which is made up of six people globally and we get to check yeah that research we're interested in and so that's fascinating too like uh what are what are they thinking in research and what might be applicable to the the mission statement for our
1: our core values that's a lot to cover for you nancy um but the first question i actually am curious about is like is it harder dealing with the cows or the people
2: Well, I'm a non-traditional vet because my shoulder sure did get a workout with palpations. Uh, So the cows beat up on your body and the people beat up on your mind. So, yeah, you need a balance of both. And uh, just when you want to go out and relax and be calm, uh, you can do that perhaps a little better with the cows.
1: So I, I'm just kind of curious in, in describing that and the fact you've been there for, you know, with Deval for the last 12 years, having come from the large animal side, um, like, I, I, I'm curious, what kind of changes have you seen? Because I feel like there's been some enormous changes very, you know, recently within that last decade or two.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And I guess I live in this chaotic, bumpy world of change. And sometimes I forget, you know, what it's really like until I go back to a farm uh, that does some things, you know, the same way, you know, that it's always been done. Not that it's wrong. It's just different. And I guess I'm in that world where we want data, we want information, we want it on our phone even I mean I've been told that the youngsters they don't even want to look at a computer um so we're an instantaneous society tell me what I need to know now and as we want to do more with less and you're walking through that barn how do you make your steps count so I guess you know that's what I I see and I feel I, I live in a quite a fast-paced world Um, Not that all farming is like that or all farmers. um, You can still choose to be comfortable with what you've got and and finish out your career that way. So that's been
0: my experience. So we're starting to get into it here, but we had you on the podcast today to talk about change. And uh, with your spectrum of experience, we really wanted to narrow in on that topic Dairy is an industry with strong traditions. People are spending their lives doing things the same way. And when it comes to the implementation of new technology, what's your opinion on how the dairy industry really handles that and and where we can go from here with bringing all of these amazing technologies you're talking about onto our farms? Um, Well, I don't want to pick on dairy farmers
2: per se. Like I'd like to start with Canadians or maybe North Americans. And I find us perhaps a little more conservative than the Europeans. I was just, you know, just in Sweden. And, you know, there's a lot of things happening there. It's like, oh, we haven't even considered that, you know, um, plastic bottles at meetings are just a no-no. You know, it's a form of change. Um, And so we've got conservative Canadians, North Americans, I think in some respects, and then the rural countryside tends to be, you know, more conservative. Dairy farmers are, our canadian dairy farmers are within that so we tend to live in a in a bubble of more conservative people but the people i deal with are making significant changes not you know there's lots of dairy farmers steady eddy with what they've got like i said so they are looking at doing things differently quite often they're encouraged by the next generation um and sometimes they're not. It's just, you know, sometimes we have people a little older and it's like, I don't want to milk cows physically for the next 10, 15 years. I still want to be with my cows. I just don't want to milk them. So the ones I'm with are making a change. Now we're not in an industry or a part of Canada, being the countryside that is constantly in change the same way. So It can be a little bumpy, and if I can quote my friend Nico Vrieberg, people like change, they just don't want to be changed. So we like what we're looking at, we want to be there, but how to get there, that's a little tangly, or can be.
1: Yeah, and I can definitely see that. And, and and you kind of touched on that difference between the European and the North American farmer. But I'm kind of, I'm I'm also a little bit interested in kind of the North South difference of the Canadian U.S. border. Like, do you see a lot when you talk about handling that change? Do you see much of a difference from Canadian farmers to American farmers?
2: If anything, uh, we're a little more relaxed. Uh, the banks got a little more control in the U.S., especially for like under a thousand cows, um, that that is an awkward place to be in the U.S. Um, so the margins are tight. And when we're going to make a change, they tend to promise. I've had stories of we owe the bank this much money on this day. And it does happen to a certain degree in Canada, but it's a little more relaxed that way. So. Um, I find them in the us a little more uptight or like, we've really got to go. We've really got to do this. And then, if they're not open to change, they're hitting that that wall, and it's like, okay, you want to achieve this amount of milk. Um you know, yeah you, ha- you have to look at what what we're telling you. you know you we need to get a nutritionist in here that understands how to balance the ration to do what you want. I you know and sometimes these old relationships are very difficult um it's been my nutritionist it was my dad's nutritionist I said okay that's great they just have to come with somebody who knows how to feed robotic cows um so that's the main difference I see the the very large farms in the US uh, they they're financing something every day you know and this is just you know um, another finance deal for them but again, Uh, The amount of milk that has to come out per robot or per farm, the pressure's on it. It's higher in the U.S. Canada, you've financed it for your quota. You've got your amortization. You just have to hit your quota, and, and away we go.
0: So like you say, there's a lot of factors influencing uh, the decision as to how quickly you can actually undertake change. But from your perspective, uh, what's the best approach when it comes to technological change specifically? Is it full steam ahead all in or I mean, obviously, you've got the bank in there (laughs) um, helping with some of that decision. But um, a step by step approach is also an option. Kind of what's your opinion on the on the key to success in terms of making that technological change on the farm?
2: I, I think if you if you're doing other technological change on a regular basis, then you figure out how you have to be like you figure out that oh, I got an update and here's a bug um, or dang it all. I could do it this way before and now I have to do it this way. The challenge is, is for farms that have kind of sat still for a while and it's like mm, we got to make a decision, are we? In this for the next generation, or are we out? Oh, that one's the biggest. Uh, and they have to go in full steam ahead. Like, if you're building a barn with two robots, Andrew can attest. I mean, there's no like, I'm going to milk 10 cows with a robot. Now I'm going to milk 25. No, you're taking them out of the old barn. You're putting me in the new barn. So, we do have to go full steam ahead in, in that situation. My encouragement now is for Andrew and, and his family is. Just always keep in the technology and keep challenging yourself with new things, you know, as you can handle it. When you go from zero to 100, it's really tough. But now that you're at 100 and you're figuring it out, let's try 105 and 110. And, you know, by the time his kids are adults, like so much more will have happened on the farm and they won't even realize it it'll they'll absorb it and just be a part of it so small bits is is how we learn best but as we know uh we can have a lot we have to have a lot thrown at us at, at certain times just have a really good team and get your sleep
1: oh that's a lot. a good team and get your sleep oh goodness <laughs> because it is one like when you do mention that project, like we are kind of at the end of ours in terms of the goal from zero to 100 um, in a technology change. But I, I want you to kind of talk to me two years ago before we started this project um, and say, you know, as as a farm is thinking, okay, now is the time to make that technological change. You know, for us, it was very much a, like it's it's do or die type thing. Like we have to make a change. Um, this seems like the right way but we know a change has to be made. I'm kind of curious if you talked to me 2 or 3 years ago, um you know, what kind of advice or what kind of uh question should I be asking at that time before implementing or before making this big dive. Mm-hmm.
2: Um well, we we always want to ask um you know, about the good parts of it. You know, what do you like about it? Um I guess we can always do a better job of describing your worst day in this new world. And as a colleague a long time ago told me, if you're trying to make a decision, understand the worst case scenario, and can you deal with it? Can you live with it? If so, drive ahead. Um, and we're just so good at focusing on the pros and and, and the upside. Um, we don't necessarily do as good a job at digging into what could be, you know, the downside of this. And, and how do you try and understand what that's going to be like? You know, it's back in the 90s, I sat on straw bales with people going from stanchion barns, tie stall barns, to parlors, to group housing. Um, individual housing to group housing is really tough. Um, and that's just because the whole how you how you pay attention to cows changes, and 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 how you know that there's something wrong with them. A classic example when I was in Russia um, is you know they had the standard 200 cow tie stall barns, and the milkmaids, somebody, two women, were in charge of pods of 50, 40ish milking cows, eight to ten dry cows. They micromanaged those pods. So they did okay. Older genetics, they knew individuals. They weren't going to break the bank with milk production, but they had a handle on those cows. Then the bosses toured America and came back and built 1,000 cow barns, 250 cow groups. The cows crashed because they didn't know how to to manage the group. Now, come back to Canada. We're a bit fortunate. I think it's a little easier if you're like 80 to 100 cows to go from the stanchion to group housing. But that's me that's been in group housing for many, many years. So the first thing is when you leave a tie stall barn, are you starting to think about group housing, group management? And then with robots, uh, I remember an old junior farmer buddy said, Nancy, I touched those udders twice a day for 20 years. And then I couldn't. I was lost. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's so a little, little things like that, like, and where do you get your joy from? And sometimes you lose that joy uh, going from one to the other until you find a, a new way. But in that process of the project in the building, like you got manure pumps to think about, uh, um, you know, tons of stuff with the building, you know, are you going to, go from silos to bunker silos and and i'm just talking about interacting with your cows so that's one of dozens of things you got to think about so where do you squeeze that in um and yeah parlors you milk twice a day typically in canada maybe three times a couple of hours and you're done uh robots it's 24 7 but you have more flexibility and it's really trying to reach into your soul and think okay what i i hear what both systems are saying what am i all about which one is right for me and sometimes people sometimes people just get an idea and they're full steam ahead and nobody can wiggle
0: their way in There's so much to talk about here, all the different aspects of the dairy. And I find as a a farm that switched to robots about seven years ago, um, the stream just keeps on coming. I mean, first you make the big jump from one technology to another, from a parlor to robots. And then suddenly now you're looking at smaller things on the farm, all the different adjustments you can make. So there's lots to talk about here. We'll be right back with our guest, Nancy Charlton, right after this. As a chef, I like composting because it gives back to the earth. Hey Erin, how do dairy farmers help protect the planet? On my farm, I compost manure. This helps reduce the carbon footprint of milk production. Plus, manure makes for richer soil, which can help grow crops. So it's like the circle of life. Yeah, we're working towards a more sustainable future. I'm in. Are you?
1: I'm in. That's dairy farming forward. Dairy farmers of Canada, net zero by 2050. And we're back with our guest, Nancy Charlton, a senior advisor at Laval Now, Nancy, as being one of those farms, as you mentioned, gone through all of this change, you know, certainly we focused a lot on how does the cow change? How does the cow adot- adapt to the new environment, to the new barn, to the new technology, all of that? We kind of forgot about how does the farmer, um, you know, adapt to all this change? can you talk a little bit about you know how do you see farmers um you know adapting to change and is there is there a pattern that people go through
2: yeah and we're in the rural countryside so i'm getting into stuff that mm, we don't want to talk about um and it is our emotions and i remember being in an idaho and it's like hey i am seeing people kind of go through different stages with this and I thought it was me that had discovered it. And my girlfriend invited me to Australia to speak. And I was going to say, hey, I had discovered it. And I decided to Google, like, does anybody else see this? And it's like, "Woo, good thing I didn't claim it. Um, it's a well-known cycle. It's called the emotional cycle of change. And yeah, there are different stages that people go through. How long they stay there, that I believe that is, different but everybody goes through these five stages um and it's you know i, I alluded to it's like you know maybe you're getting married like first of all you're not going to go there then you're excited about it and it's like ooh like i have to live with this person and it's like this is going to be really tough then you do it and then you go down and then it's like you got to figure this out and once you figure it out you know and then away you go so there is this emotional cycle of change which Yeah, thank goodness I Googled it and um, found out that the psychologist figured it out before me.
0: So let's dig into that a little bit more. I mean, we've talked about how different people do things differently. Obviously, everybody's ability to handle things and the timing of what they do um, is different. But I think we need to break this down into the stages themselves. And let's get started at the beginning. Let's talk about the first stage and what that really looks like. Yeah. So I give it, I
2: guess it's uninformed, um, optimism and, you know, you're, you're listening to various people talk about it, social media for the good or for the bad. Um, thank goodness. There's some good stuff like fresh air farmer. Um, so yeah, before you know a lot, you just, you just see what's cool. And it's like, Hey, it's robots. I don't have to milk cows anymore. Yep. This is good for me. Well, what, you know, what does that mean? Um, and so then you, for those that are serious, then you need to dig into it. And it's like, okay, how much is it going to cost? What does this really mean? Um, okay. I've been in an old barn for 20, you know, it's 20 to 40 years, depending on where you're at. My maintenance costs are $2,000 or $5,000 a year, you know, I've got very old equipment. I can fix it myself. It's like, oh well, now this is going to be electronics, and I'm going to need technicians, and so my running costs are going to be X, Y, Z. So then you um, you go from uninformed optimism to you know a little bit of informed pessimism. Like, do I really want to do this? And you know that's when you need to really start to dig in with. The team you know whether it's financial coaching i know a lot of veterinarians are borderline psychologists um nutritionists then they start to say hey yep this is a big deal but here's what i've seen
1: so those are the first two stages um so the first two you're you're feeling so good this is going to be so exciting and then that it sounds like that time you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, wait a minute, what, <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> the informed pessimism. Those are, those sound pretty accurate to what we went through so far. Um, what, what comes after uninformed optimism and informed pessimism?
2: Well, it's been called different things, but in the paper I wrote, I, I chose to go with a psychologist that calls it the Valley of despair, <laughs> which, you know, sounds terrible. And I, um, and it it can be a tough spot for some people to be it's like oh my gosh i am here it it's happening and um you know with a really good team it's i believe it's still overwhelming um it it has to be it, it it's brand new um so then as you're being overwhelmed it's like who's catching you there who's for support um who's letting you or making sure you have sleep. And so these emotions are running through you. Like, what am I doing? I don't understand this. What about if this goes down? Um, And as well, if you haven't planned well, then it's, are you open to the suggestions of what you need to do? I find it difficult to teach people. Everybody learns differently and everybody's really busy coming up to the startup. And then, Farmers want to know what they need to know when they need to know it. So trying to teach them, again, they got so much coming at them. And so then it's a matter of just keeping it as simple as possible on those little bits that they need to know. um, So that that valley of despair hopefully is a dip
0: and it's not a real valley. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, this all sounds great. but you mentioned planning a little bit. The Valley of Despair sounds really terrible. (laughs) The ways out sound, you know, oh yeah. Okay. Training, planning. Yep. Good idea. Good idea. But When you're in that place and you're overwhelmed and everybody's overwhelmed and everything's new and you don't really know what you're doing and you don't really like to maybe admit you don't know what you're doing. um, How can you mitigate some of that in advance? Like, are there ways that you can plan for that difficult time to make it turn out um, better, perhaps? I think talk to a lot of
2: people or as many as you can. And so, therefore, I'm assuming uh, you're a communicator and you like to interact with other people. And sometimes people going to robotics are introverts and pioneers, or, you know, I have figured all this out before. I don't need help. So, I think the first thing is um, it's okay to ask for help, it's okay to ask people that have gone through it. And the good thing about Canada is that we've got In the majority of the major dairy communities, we have lots of neighbors that have gone through this. It's not like 10 years ago um, or when I was a vet. And it's like, there was only a handful. So I think it's asking for help. Um, I also think having young brains around and that young brain can be in any age of body, but it has to be a young brain and a brain that, okay, is like a sponge, and I can handle this, Mom and Dad. Um, <clears throat> or, in Nova Scotia, I, I really messed up. I really misjudged a certain person, and um, it it didn't matter what age his body was. He had a young brain, and he proved to me. So, and he took everything in stride. And one day I came back and I went, "Wow, look at your production!" farmer joe that's awesome what did you do he said well i listened to you i said really nobody listens to me i said especially my family so it's like it was so cool and you know he he was not a, a young body but he he he's a young thinker and and i would just sit and watch him and you would tell him something and then he would sit back in the chair and and he would think about it and and then, And then he would say, "You know what, Nancy? I tried this, and this is really cool. Oh, I tried that, and it didn't work. So to me, that's that type of personality responds better to change and and technology can be really frustrating. We all know that, um you know, from an iPhone update, and you know this doesn't work, and so you need another update in order to get that to work um the other thing is, is, yeah, the dealership is number one. Um, how they're organized, how they're, and it's challenging times to keep people on staff, you know, this whole COVID thing. Uh, but from the sales process to the installation, to the startup, um, who are the people around that are helping guide you? Uh, and I, I love teams. I don't like silos. Are we able to have the nutritionist and the vet talk and it's is everybody lined up and ready to go and yeah how do we learn to better understand what the farmer wants and needs provided in a way that they learn and then guide them when like no that's a really bad idea like no you really shouldn't be trying to do that um and I read a book on change and if you don't know what you're doing you explore Once you've got your goals and things are going, then you can exploit. But sometimes people want to do it in the reverse. Before they even know what they're doing, they're trying to exploit it. And it's like, no, 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 no. Figure out what we know now and then try your idea afterwards. Because if the idea fails, at least you can come back to your previous point of success and feel good and start again.
1: So then if you, if you do have this and it sounds like the Valley of Despair was pretty short for Farmer Joe, we'll say, um, <laughs> out in Eastern Canada. And, and certainly I I can imagine the point being in that, what, what what was the next couple of stages after that in terms of change that, you know, brings back that, I want to get back to that word optimism you had at the beginning. How do we get back to that when we, when we go through this cycle? Like-
2: yeah. And it, they call it informed optimism and so that's listening to people i would say particularly the coaches at the the dealership and and the coach could be a technician or could be herd management support um it could be the salesperson um but but people who have watched this time and time again who have been a part of it um and they just say hey Here's what you need to do, and you need to find time to sit down with them, calm your brain down, and and absorb it. And I'm guilty of trying to teach too much, do too much, and so. But I'm always five thousand miles away. I do envy the the dealership in a sense that it's like, okay, today we're going to focus on this, and this is what you need to do, and here's how we're going to measure if you have success or not. Okay do that. Bite that off, chew it, do it. And, and then that it's like, Oh, that worked. So now, uh, try something else. And so then that builds on the informed optimism. You were informed, you got results. So now you're optimistic that positive energy feeds more. And I mean, a classic example, I guess is some cows are, are not made to be robot cows. Um, and there's lots of discussions on that, genetics, personality, whatever. And you know, I've recently had experience with two different types of farms and every cow has to stay at the one farm and the teats are close and crossed and we're just gonna accept the results we get. And then the next farm said, she's got this many days if the robot, you know, it's up, it's crossed, short, she's going. We're just taking her out. And I think that second decision is the better decision because you get her out. The robot's not pulling around with her as much. Everybody's happier. And if your preg rate's right and your heifer replacement's right and you were planning for this and you saw those teats, you shouldn't have a problem with another cow filling her spot and and producing milk. Um, Full disclosure, mother nature, droughts, floods, feed inventory can mess things up. I get that. But if you're going to robots, you should be looking at your preg rates, your heifer inventory. Somebody should be walking through your cows the moment you start thinking about robots and um, what is it about your cows that may need some work while you're buying, installing, building. Um, Two years isn't a lot of time to change your genetics, but you got to start somewhere.
0: So this is all a great big change management strategy. You're talking about getting out in front of it, thinking about what's gonna be happening to you and doing what you can uh, to get those pieces together and to start moving in the direction that you want your success to go um, before it's right up on top of you, I think, is, is part of the way that we've managed our way through this type of a thing. So when we're talking about the emotional cycle though, and change can kick in for all kinds of different changes, is it something that only applies to really big, shiny new technologies and big change? Or is this something that we might experience in all different types of changes across our lives and throughout the farm? Oh, I, I, this is not
2: just limited to, to dairy farms and, and big capital investments um, in our world. I think if we if we stand back or sit down and think about change, we may see a smaller, a smaller cycle happening, you know, with, with any idea, right. It's like, and, and sometimes, you know, the informed pessimism, you know, that means it's like, Oh, this was a crazy idea. <clears throat> and in that is way too much effort for what I'm going to get out of it. And so maybe you don't even go into the <laughs> valley of despair. So I, I, I think it applies. And if people just start to stop and think about something that, they want to do differently you know we either we want the change over there but if we never get there then obviously we got stopped somewhere um and is that in the informed pessimism or um or we saw the valley of despair coming and this is a metaphorical way and and we just shut it down so but i think you know, even if we look at our relationships or businesses or anything, you know, we have to go through this. And once we're in it, and we realize what it takes to be successful, and, and we like it, then we've got fulfillment and and success. And then you either exploit um, or you go on to your next change and you you, you do it all again. Um, and one thing that stuck with me in the last six months from this uh, book by James Clear, Atomic Habits. We do not rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And I'm kind of done at making goals or seeing goals on the wall. Um, If if we don't start with the base and, and, and a system. And so the cycle of change, if we haven't planned and if we haven't put this base in, then these goals will never be achieved and then maybe, you know, that keeps us stuck in the Valley of despair. Um, So yeah, it's all related and it's all really neat stuff that I guess during COVID I had way too much time to think about.
1: I'm glad you did get to think of it, Nancy, because it is it is fun to talk about this, Um, you know, one, having gone through it, but also, you know, how how it can impact more than just the decision of do you, you know, take on a new investment, a new capital investment around the farm. Um, But but one kind of thing that that I do want to end on here is you know, kind of the people around us. You mentioned dealerships as being one, um, you know, ha- to have those conversations. I know, you know, you've been involved in lots of those projects as kind of that, you know, helping hand, um, you know, but but I'm kind of curious as someone is going through whatever the change is, even if it is changed to just some of these, you know, smaller systems and smaller processes to make themselves better, um, you know, who are some of the other people that we should be asking as farmers to help us? On that journey, realizing we can't do it ourselves, or you know, it might might fall as too burdensome to do it ourselves, we need some help. Who who else out there can help us?
2: Yeah, well, when I walk on to farms, uh, the veterinarian quite often uh, is a coach of of some kind. Especially traditionally, I mean, as as some are retiring. Um, it may it may take a while to find, you know, that next vet, or if there's different ones coming on the farm, you may not have the same relationship. But the veterinarian, um, typically, some nutritionists have had long-standing relationships, and these people are getting out to conferences, perhaps a little more than the farmer or different conferences in different regions, having different ideas. Um, so they're key. I I would say. Your financial, your lender, like what are they seeing? Your accountant. I know my personal accountant is a dairy accountant. He's loaded with examples. Of course, they're anonymous. Um, so those types of things. Um, you know, and within your community, uh, if you belong to a club or a church or something, and who, who is living in a way that you like to live? Who appears to have the results that you're looking for, and I do say appear because sometimes we should take a look at data uh, just to make sure they're getting as many cows pregnant as they think. Um, those types of things, but yeah, find if you're young, find your mentors, um, and you know, even with uh, dairy Sense, you know, for the young ones coming out and getting exposure you know we like to take them to different farms like uh we went to a milk bottling uh farm this last year you know small tie stall barn how do they uh, diversify and again hearing them speak to the group gives the young people a taste so and it is surprising you know, sometimes with the dealerships, it, it goes one of two ways. It's like, I've been with them forever or the next generation is coming in and saying, I got the doors wide open. Anybody can come in here and, and, and sell to me. So it's, yeah, some are very relationship based and others are hard numbers, but the key thing is, is to dig, explore, explore, and ask lots of questions. And I really appreciated what you did, Andrew. I thought that was a, a, an excellent journey that was captured, you know, through social media. Um, there's still a lot more questions that can be asked and sometimes trying to expose, you know, what is, I think, more sharing of our hardest days. And, I, uh, you know, uh, Farmer Tim uh, does a good job of that. Um because we are going to have hard days and we need people to help us get through. We, we shouldn't do it on our own, even though many people like to do it on their own and I'm one of them, but when we're having a hard time, who can we turn to? And number one thing I think for farmers is to go have a big sleep. So who can take care of everything when you're having that big sleep, if it's possible.
0: Well, it truly takes a village uh, to run a modern dairy operation, that is for sure. There's all kinds of different roles for different people. And we didn't talk much about employees in this case, but I know a lot of people who've really been able to leverage and give good opportunity to their employees in a situation like this because they acknowledge that those people um, maybe are more comfortable with the technology or are more comfortable spending certain hours in the barn. It's just been really neat to see how you can transform your operation when you start looking at the people you have around you and really leverage. Everybody to the best of their abilities. So, Nancy Charlton, Senior Advisor and Project Manager for DeLaVal, we'd like to thank you so much for your insight today and hopefully we'll cross paths with you again because there's still certainly lots more to talk about. You bet. And here's
2: to uh, a few more in person events going forward. Take care. <laughs> Wonderful.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Nancy. Well, Sarah, that was definitely a fun conversation to have and to kind of think through. Now, you mentioned that, you know, you've been kind of, you know, in the robot new technology world for the last seven or so years. Um, that sounds like you're ready for some more big changes, are you? Have you, have you figured out how to do it?
0: Uh, it just keeps coming and coming. And I think uh, kind of the... If there's a key takeaway for me from our experience, it's just being intentional about managing things. And sometimes, uh, for example, currently we're changing to a new software system on the on the farm. Uh, we decided to just not do that until we're done harvesting corn, so that everybody could be more engaged and ready to make the switch. Um, doing things that way, taking the time to think about, "Jesus, this actually." the right time that we can dig in and do our best job with making the switch uh, little things like that can really make a big difference. And I think just thinking about what you need and uh, communicating that and trying to look out for what works best for everyone can really go a long way.
1: Well, and I want to kind of ask you one more kind of on, on a side note of that change, because I know you're very involved on the policy side too, given your role on the board Like, do you see a lot of this happen? You know, we talk a lot about technology here, but do you see a lot of that happen around the boardroom table, around the development, the changes of the entire industry?
0: I think we're really facing a lot of change in the industry and whether we... Want it or not necessarily, it's coming at us, and it's coming quickly, and we need to be responsive um, and find ways to navigate that. So I think, yeah, sure, there's tons of change in the dairy industry. There's likely to be way more as we uh, continue, and our kids start to get to be the ones taking over our farms. So, like Nancy said, uh, building those systems that will see the next generations through, see ourselves through. I think she's absolutely right. I mean, obviously a big James Clear fan here too, but. Building systems that support the success of uh, either the industry or the farm itself, I think, is truly helpful um, and worth spending some time on.
1: Yeah, certainly is. Now, if you have any comments, suggestions, even complaints about some of the stuff you heard on today's interview, we would love for you to write to us. Our email is podcast at canadianpodcow.ca. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook so well said andrew
0: and that's it for this episode of the canadian podcast thanks to our production team bruce sergeant and carl Bellanger, and to our sponsor dairy farmers of canada as always we super appreciate you listening to us and we look forward to the next time